What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by our resident FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We are talking the Daytona 500, biggest race of the year. It's the Super Bowl for NASCAR. They start the season with the biggest race of the year. Matt, how you doing? How excited are you for the upcoming season? Uh, I'm doing well. We got cars on track tonight. We are recording this after the duels, the drama-filled, action-packed duels that cost car owners a whole lot of money. Um, Kyle Busch always called this the most expensive weekend of the year. Yes, yes. He's shown up in that shirt multiple times, I think. (laughs) Maybe not as a – he doesn't own a truck team anymore, so maybe he retired that shirt. But um, he did have to go to the care center tonight. Um so I'm good. We got cars on track. The new models from Ford and uh, from Chevy and Toyota look spectacular. Amazing. Yeah, Ford especially uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and the front end on the Toyotas is going to be nice cuz they can they can push. The squared off Toyota front looks pretty looks pretty nice. Um so I'm good. We got paint schemes, we got spotters yelling at drivers already. We got big wrecks like NASCAR is full go, man. So I guess like I'm kind of in a mood where it's like we saw the duels. We finally saw some racing. It's it's speed weeks at Daytona. We got the trucks Friday night, Xfinity Saturday, weather pending and, and Daytona on Sunday. But like, where, where do we start? Do we talk about the duels? Do we talk about uh, Logano and McDowell stealing the show during qualifying Wednesday? Where do you want to get started? Because I mean, there's there's a lot to consider heading into Sunday's race. But again, like we could do all the research in the world. We can break down every storyline, but at the end of the day, it's like, we can't predict the chaos of Daytona. Yes, that's true. So if you are new to NASCAR, welcome. If you've you know decided to check it out after watching the Netflix full speed uh, series, good to have you. I know my uh, cousin-in-law was messaging me every four minutes while he was watching the whole thing in a day. <laughs> like, oh, this looks awesome. Yeah, man. That, why I've, paid attention to the sport for a while now um so welcome this is the most chaotic race of the year um so just be forewarned not all of them are like this just the first couple because nascar likes to start with fun um we say it every year this this is a horrible way to turn new nascar dfs players off it is it is because it's a horrendous way not uh, the way that any other race uh, conducts itself, basically. So well, by the time you get to like Vegas, which is a fairly standard mile and a half track, that's you going can, to represent most of what the NASCAR season. You can look at like practice notes and, and qualifying, yeah. all the data. You can kind of get a grip exactly. on who's good on intermediates, who's good on road courses, who's good on short flats. Yep. Um, this one... <clears throat> It's whoever doesn't. No one's immune to wrecking. Yes, exactly. As we saw, since Christopher Bell uh, started every wreck in the last like seven Daytona races and then wound up winning one of the duels tonight. And, you know, you've got, you know, Denny Hamlin trying to block people when he doesn't usually make those kind of moves. And, you know, it was nuts. So where are we going to start? Let's start with qualifying. So, on a normal race weekend, qualifying sets the field. Where you qualify is where you're going to start, unless you have something wrong with your car or you fail tech inspection or whatnot. 
Uh, for Daytona, qualifying locked the first two spots on the pole and the outside pole. So Logano showed up uh, and won his first ever pole. And in fact, it's Roger Penske's first Daytona pole ever, which I find very hard to believe that that's never happened. But according to the captain himself, he's never had a car on the pole for the Daytona 500. So congrats to Mr. Joey Logano there. And then Michael McDowell showed up and ruined everybody's fun who bet him at 35 to 1 earlier in the week uh, by qualifying second. <laughs> so those two guys are going to start up front. Normally, that'd be awesome. Not for the Daytona 500, though. The, the, the pole sitter and the guy starting second are very hard to play in DFS for the Daytona 500. Um, it mainly comes down to if you watch the duels, you'll understand why the guys that start up front almost always drop to the back to avoid the wrecks. Um, they don't hold the lead for very long. Laps led don't really matter here all that much. So if you want to play them, uh, you can a little bit, lightly, but you're going to be in the vast minority of that decision. What would you say is a reasonable amount of exposure to get to either guy? Like, I would entertain maybe if I was doing 150 lineups, somewhere between maybe five and eight percent on Logano. Obviously, you don't want too much exposure simply because it's more likely that he goes backward. Um, we saw it plenty of times when Alex Bowman was on the front row. Yeah, the man um, has started on the front row six straight times in the Daytona 500. This is Alex Bowman. And granted, last year he led plenty of laps and yeah. finished fifth. But I think other than that, Which he had finished. Best finish. Yeah, him. he had finished outside the top 15 in the other five instances of starting on the front row. Right. Um, I'm I'm there with you with Logano about five to eight percent. I might be about there for McDowell. The only other reason for McDowell is he's won the race before. You've heard me talk about it. Um, so is Logano, hasn't he? What? Didn't Logano win in like 2015? Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit since Logano won it, but yeah, <clears throat> he's won it before. Um, but McDowell completes as many laps as anybody in the Daytona races of late over the last 10 or so runnings. Um, and staying on the track here is important. That's how you're going to have a shot to win. That's how you're going to have a shot at racking up DFS points. As long as you're still on the track on the last lap, you got a pretty good shot at finishing top 10, right? Which obviously for McDowell, we want him to finish higher than that, but point remains. Um, after that, you can really throw darts. I know we don't really want to hear that from an expert, but that's my expert take. Cover your eyes, <laughs> cover a dartboard in the drivers, throw six darts, and that's your lineup. I mean, it, we saw it with the duels tonight. I mean, and I think uh, it's almost a good segue because, you know, we, you and I kind of live in the NASCAR DFS Discord for Fantasy Alarm yes. seven days a week during the NASCAR season. We, we're constantly sharing tweets, kind of sharing information, sometimes funny. Most of the time we try to be informative. Um, but when it comes to tracks like Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta to an extent nowadays, you'll never really – Present us with a lineup that we truly hate, unless you're starting three dudes in the six top guys <laughs> in the top twenty. Like you're gonna want, you know, some guys starting in the back in cash games. You'll you'll see the hashtag stack the back all weekend. Yes, uh, for cash games uh, for NASCAR DFS that applies this to the weekend, trucks. 
there's a lot of names on the back of the pack. That yes, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that shortly. But like the strategy just varies so much, you know, because salaries are relevant. You can leave tens of thousands of dollars uh, on the table in any contest this week. Uh, cash games, you want guys starting deeper in the field just because they're a safer bet to move up, score the positive position differential points, and still score well with the final position. But in tournaments, it's like you said, you do need to, you know, take a, some risks, uh, play a guy or two that's starting inside the top 12 that has some win equity, get a couple other guys starting in the top 25, and then maybe round it out with a, some more contrarian plays that are starting outside the top 30. You know, there are some popular and chalky contrarian options this week, or not contrarian, sorry, that made no sense. There are some popular and chalky uh, guys starting deeper in the field simply because they wrecked out. Uh, Thursday night in the duels, which I think we should right. just discuss right now because there's there are a lot of big names that are going to backup cars and starting in the back. Yeah, and even if they didn't wreck out, there were some guys that just said, "Peace out, I'm not I'm I'm not dealing with the craziness up front." So, again, if you're new to Daytona, um, the duels set everything but the front row. So qualifying set the first two starting spots. The duels set everything out. So your finished position in duel one, that's the inside line. So positions three, five, seven, nine, eleven, so on through the field. Your finishing positions in duel two set the even numbers in the starting grid. So two, four, six, and so on. Aside from where Logano and McDowell finished, because they're locked in, right? Um, so if you finished towards the back of duel two, like Bubba Wallace, right? He finished, I think. I think the last I saw was 11th. I don't know if he came through 11th in the last duel. Granted, this was after the big wreck. He's going to be starting mid-pack. You're going to have to multiply that by basically two. He's going to be starting 22nd, 24th, somewhere in there, right? Guys like Ryan Blaney, who didn't finish <coughs> duel two, if he took an absolute shot and then his car caught fire. He's going to be starting in the back of the pack. He's also going to a backup car, which... Again, does not scare me here. Doesn't really scare me anywhere, but especially at Daytona, does not scare me. He's going to be scored from starting in the back. So if he starts, let's say, I mean, he's not going to start 36th, but let's say he starts 30th. He's going to be scored from there. So if he starts 30th and he finishes like 5th, you get a whole heap ton of points there. 25, he was already a betting favorite coming into the race. Uh, he's the defending NASCAR champion. Congrats there at Rouse. Um, and New York Knicks don't edit him <laughs> out of any more photos. He is the defending NASCAR champion. Um, so you're going to, he's going to be quite popular, right? When you start looking at, uh, Kyle Bush is going to be starting in the back, right? He's a known entity. You're going to get who else is going to a backup. Kyle Bush, maybe. Maybe I mean he certainly Daniel Hemrick definitely I believe. Yeah, Hemrick uh, was in midseason form there. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the wall um, in Duel One, so there was some there were some wrecks in Duel One. Austin Dillon I think had some issues in Duel One. Um, so there's going to be Jimmy Johnson made the race. He's obviously a very well known guy, Hall of Famer. Seven got the Creed car, man. He does. He does. He has the car. <laughs> Um, 
So there's going to be a lot of well-known guys more than typical for a Daytona race. Usually when you're looking at winning Daytona race lineups, it's like a bunch of dudes that unless you're in the sport, you don't expect would ever be in winning NASCAR lineups, right? It's like one of those weird golf weekends where like all of the top 10 dudes aren't there. And so unless you know the PGA field, an outsider would look at it and go, who's this dude? Right, that's not going to happen this week at Daytona. We're going to know everybody that's going to score well. They're going to—I mean, they're starting in the back. They're going to move up. <laughs> it's going to make for a wild, wild setup for DFS. Um. All right. So I've got—I'm trying to piece together the uh, the starting lineup. It hasn't officially been published to NASCAR's website. I have Bob Hawkers' tweets for the results of each duel. And I'm just trying to pick apart some interesting plays. Um, are, are you totally cool just kind of diving into the driver pool and just previewing a few drivers and maybe some strategies? Because, you know, we will see teams and manufacturers pit together. We were talking about right. before the podcast how in previous years, the Toyotas have only had six cars in this race <clears throat> for the most part. And when they come off pit road together and it's just the, those six cars – it's a very slow draft that they're generating. And so they tend to get passed by the Fords and the Chevys. And, but like this year, we've got nine cars for Toyota. Uh, they swept both the duels. Uh, this is the strategy in the first duel when they tried to pit was a little sloppy. They, uh, <laughs> a little sloppy. <clears throat> Martin Truex Jr. I, didn't even get the memo. I tweeted out that Martin Truex Jr.'s pit crew is the Ferrari of NASCAR. Yeah, you're not you're not entirely wrong. Both crews take fast cars and ruin their days. That's all, that's all they do. But you know, it's it's such an intriguing you know lineup of Toyotas that we have. We have Jimmy Johnson who has won the Daytona 500 twice. You have Eric Jones who has who is good in race on super speedways, but he just doesn't have the results. But he does have a Daytona win from when he was with JGR. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek in the July race. Yes, not done terribly well in the 500. But But he also won the Clash a few years ago with a hilarious-looking car. Come races in. Oh my God, that thing had more duct tape than and Bondo than anything else. And Denny Hamlin has won this race three times. And so we have a really solid lineup of drivers and more Toyotas than we're used to seeing. But it's also like, well, we're not necessarily surprising anyone like the toyotas didn't look great in qualifying but that's that's a single car on a track tonight in the draft in the duels the toyotas actually looked pretty solid yeah because they can handle so yeah that's that's kind of the thing to take here is you want a car that handles better than is pure speed because everybody has the same setup here right it's known as a plate track they don't actually run restrictor plates in the engines anymore but they are restricted to the same setup so everybody has basically the same horsepower they have basically the same arrow um so in terms of like you're not going to see one car just run away from people by two and a half three four seconds like we will at some mile and a half right it's a pack as as i'm sure you have gathered by now and so handling matters you want to be able to put the car in either lane you want to be able to make quick moves and that's where Toyota went, okay, we're going more handling than pure speed. That's why in qualifying, I think Eric Jones was the fastest one, and he qualified 22nd, I think, if I'm not 22nd or 24th, somewhere in there. All of the Toyotas were, like, in the back half of the 20s in terms of pure speed and qualifying. 
right? And then you get the Fords on track, and what happened? They all kind of started to go back towards the back half of the duels. They, you know, got a little loose. Their handling went away. The speed wasn't enough to just keep them there when they couldn't outmaneuver the other cars around them. So Toyotas are going to be pretty popular based on what we just saw from the duels. Uh, they swept them even when they weren't sweeping them. They're, I mean, Truex moved up like 15 spots in 10 laps uh, in duel one uh, before his pit crew decided just to <coughs> absolutely screw him over again. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a theme. We should have a counter in the corner here. <laughs> How many race weekends did Truex's pit crew cost them? And just keep counting it up basically every week. Um, so, yeah, Toyotas are going to be popular. The Chevys are where it gets interesting for me. Because like, we're, we're used to a lot of speed from the Hendrick camp, right? And yeah. the cars that Hendrick powers. But to me, they kind of looked just okay. Like, they kind of shined in the middle of Duel 1. You had, like, three of the four uh, Hendrick cars in Duel 1. And they looked pretty good. But then it also looked like they couldn't get on the same page and make coherent moves to get their guys to the to the lead. So... I don't know if they went for a little bit more speed than, say, Toyota, but a little bit less handling or a little more than Ford did, and so they're kind of treading this in-between line. I don't know. They they looked a little interesting to me and kind of still getting used to kind of a different front end. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, we still have Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, who will start inside the top ten. Uh, Byron will start just inside the top 20. I think Larson will be inside the top 15. Fully expect them all to work together at some point um, and run together. Right, but um, you're also talking about a group of guys who have had speed at these races but have not capped. Yeah. I mean, Larson has not had a good If there's one race where you – one type of race where you want to fade Kyle Larson, it's definitely going to be in a race like this. Correct. Like, yeah. I can't rule out that he's not going to lead laps. Okay. No, because he led 20 right. laps in tonight's duel. Right. Can he work his way up through the field? Yes. Is there a guarantee that he's on the track when the checkered flag goes? No. History tells you he has. He gets caught in late races, in late race practice. I mean, same thing with Truex, um, so, which I think he's run this race 19 times, and he's got three top 10 finishes, I think, Oof. is what the stat was. Um, so, you know, I mean, anything can happen. I also have a history of telling you to fade people and then they win the race. So. <laughs> I mean, I told people not to play Kurt Busch's home track in Vegas and he finally won there. <laughs> that one. So, um, I don't know. I just, I just have lingering questions, I guess, about the Chevy camp. Like, I feel like the Fords are going to be quick early and then they may fade. I feel like we know. Why do you think they fade? Because I think their handling goes. Okay. Like I think they, I think they set them up because there's not a whole lot of switching they're gonna do now. Some of them that got wrecked out may in fact switch, right? They they may change setup a little bit, but Logano's not gonna change his setup. Why would he? It just got him the pole for the first time ever, and if he can hold the speed, you know. 
But I just feel like watching 60 laps of the duels, the Fords faded <clears throat> in handling later in the race. Um, and Toyotas, I don't see weak spots for the Toyotas, to be perfectly honest. Now, in terms of stacking teams, manufacturers, how many would you look to stack in a lineup? I guess if I guess if you're doing 150 lineups, you can have some lineups that are just they could just be like six Toyota stacks, maybe five Toyota stacks, four. Like you can kind of go any round. But like if you were just kind of a three max, a five, or maybe a ten lineup kind of player. You know, we it, it, it is a strategy and it's a viable one because you will see teammates pushing each other to the front. And so everybody has a, a chance from that team and that manufacturer to have a shot at winning this race. You know, with the Fords previously have been very good aerodynamically to push each other. Now, they did sacrifice some of that uh, advantage when they made some tweaks to the design of the body so they could contend more at intermediates. But at the same time, this is still these are still Fords, we accept, we expect Penske to run well here. Front row uh, is rumored to be on the up and up and could emerge as one of the better teams. SHR, who knows what is going on with them? They seem to be going backwards. Although Gregson had himself a pretty decent, <clears throat> so you know, I, I would agree. But yes, generally speaking, I do want to stack manufacturers here. Um, they tend to also pit together. Mm-hmm. which means if they get the strategy right, they can drive themselves to the front and gain spots on pit road without actually having to pass people um, in the pack. The downside is that when they pit together and something goes wrong, then it takes a while to get back to spots. And, you know, you could be, you know, grouped up in the wrong part of the pack when something goes wrong. Um it is interesting that there are nine Toyotas now rather than just six, because it does give you some more leeway to get an extra Toyota in a build. I still wouldn't go all Toyota. Um, I wouldn't go all Everett. Like, even if I loved the Ford camp, I wouldn't go all Ford. No, right. I, I agree. But it does, like, I feel like in previous years we told you maybe two, like, you could do two Toyotas, maybe three. Now I feel like you could go three, maybe four, and then sneak in some others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in general, these are one of – you don't often hear about stacking in NASCAR, but these are some of the races that allows for that strategy. So um, let me see if DK has the actual starting lineup posted on their contest. They do not. Sure. No. They probably won't have it until tomorrow. Yeah, probably not. Um so I guess, how many are you playing this one light? I keep going back and forth. Um, my strategy for the truck and Xfinity race is that I'm just going to do one cash game lineup and play it in some tournaments. Uh, <clears throat> I think the most important thing that we preach every year for people that are new to NASCAR DFS is that you play Daytona and Talladega very light. Correct. Um all the research in the world can still amount to a very, very bad day. In previous years, I would, you know, try to invest in getting tickets for the NASCAR Millie Maker. I've done none of that this year. It's just, it's kind of, uh, it's it's just a massive lottery ticket that you're trying to hit. And the payout structure sucks 
for yeah. DraftKings Millie Maker. It's horrendous. I think if you finish six, you get like ten grand, which sure is ten grand. But if you finish first, it's a million dollars. Million. So have like hundred um, X fall off in six spots is yeah. Like, and so, I think for trucks and Xfinity, I'm just gonna do one cash lineup, play it light, have a little fun, just kind of enjoy the weekend. For Daytona, I'm debating if I want to take that same strategy or if I just want to take 75 bucks and you know throw 150 lineups into the mini max, like because I think I feel like when you you're playing an amount of money that you're comfortable losing, which is a strategy that I'd love to recommend. Like, but, you know, if if you're getting angry when you're losing at DFS, you're probably playing too much, or and you need to rethink your strategy. But like for me, if I was to lose seventy five hundred seventy five dollars on the Daytona five hundred and the Mini Max, I'm okay with that. And so for me, I am kind of entertaining the idea of just you know doing one hundred fifty lineups. I love these kinds of races because it's a good race to get leverage and be different. Um, there's a lot of chalk in the back, and if you can nail the being overexposed to the right guys or underexposed to the guys that wreck you're in very good shape. And so I'm kind of leaning towards doing 150 lineups for, you know, the 50 cent mini max. It's kind of where I'm leaning, uh, but we'll see what happens come Sunday because, you know, it, it depends on if I really want to wait around for a potential Monday race too. Yeah. That's the other thing we, we haven't touched on yet. Surprisingly 25 minutes into the uh, pod here is the forecast for Daytona. It's Florida. It rains a decent amount most of the time of the year. Uh, Friday looks fine. There's like, according to weather.com, as of about 10 minutes ago, there's an 8% chance of rain on Friday. There's an 81% chance of rain on Saturday. There is a 99% chance of rain on Sunday and a 33% chance of rain on Monday. So I would almost, I don't want to say bet because i don't think you can bet on this but i would bet that we're that we're in store for a monday race unfortunately um now worst case scenario is it rains in the morning on sunday it stops long enough for them to dry it out they start the race so therefore you have to have your lineup set on time and then about 20 25 minutes into the race there's another longer lasting cell that washes it out now to be clear there is no time limit there is no time restriction on when daytona can start a race okay they run the 24 hour of daytona there like two weeks ago it's got lights it's got lights bob parker don't ask bob (laughs) parker it has lights dan and i can confirm it has lights um so they could start it at 1 o'clock in the morning. They've done it before, to be honest. They have started the Daytona 500 at like 10 p.m. and raced it and finished it at 1.30 in the morning because they want to get it in. Would that kill their TV views? Sure, yeah. but so does a noon Monday race. So to them, it doesn't really matter. Um, so just be careful of what the forecast looks like because – if NASCAR doesn't postpone before lock time, you're going to have to get your lineups in. So if you are debating playing 150 lineups like Dan or playing, I don't know, 5 to 10 like me, keep in mind you may have time commitment 
problems. Like, if they postpone it to Monday and you haven't set your lineups and now you're trying to do it during a 9 a.m. meeting, <laughs> gonna be gonna be a problem, right? So, that's, that's another thing uh, to pay attention to. Um, but either way, we will have content out. Malin will have truck write-up uh, and an Xfinity write-up out in time and plenty of time for the races. Uh, I'm going to try uh, for this weekend because uh, normally what I do for those playbooks is that I will have them up before we know the starting order and then I'll just add updates. I think I'm just going to wait to see what the starting order is and then I will just go live with the playbook. Still give you about probably two to three hours to kind of digest it. Um, I we don't get practice. Well, I mean, we had truck practice and we'll get Xfinity practice, but it really just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, like Drew Carey and whose line is it anyway? There's points, but they really don't matter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Um, yeah. So I'll have a betting piece up on uh, Friday. So by the time you're listening to this, the betting piece should be out for cup uh, nice. winners and props. Um, we'll have it's a great weekend to bet long shots, man. Like it is. Uh, God, I love this weekend. Cowell at sixty-six to one. Before we almost hit Justin Haley at an ungodly number, too. Um, you know, a few times that guy does nothing but win these things in a variety of <laughs> of different ways. Um, what else? We'll have so the playbooks are changing a little bit this year. You got a flavor of it with the Clash. If you looked at the Clash playbook. Um, we are following the footprint that's been set out by some other sports uh, for FA, which is we will write up a few guys in each salary tier. Um, and then below that, we will give you basically a grid of guys that are all of the guys we would normally write up if we were writing up the full playbook. Yeah. We're really only going to write up like our favorite three to four guys per salary tier, right? So, um, the whole top section will still be there, you know, strategy, intro, thoughts on how the slate breaks down, um, practice reports when they're required. They won't be there this week. Don't even look for them. Um, you know, my scoring charts that I usually try to provide is to like where a lot of the points come from. That will all still be there at the top. You'll be able to find the podcast at the top. Uh, but the write-up will be shorter, more concise. I know. Miracle, right? Um, and then you'll have a grid of drivers you can pick from for DraftKings and where applicable FanDuel, um, for different salary things. So if you have questions, we're in, we're in uh, discord. Also, we're trying something new on Sunday. Um, myself and Edward Rouse are going to do a pre-race show. Um, we will have more details to follow, but there'll be trivia. There'll be some questions you can kind of, uh, lock in answers to and then during the race uh you will get points for where will that be through uh it'll be through watch party i will put a a link out on twitter it'll be in discord it'll be everywhere once we get that set up it'll be i believe we're going for an hour before green flag so start about 1 30 eastern go to about 2 30 eastern schedule green flag We'll see. We may get news that it's been postponed or delayed before that. I don't know. We're still going live. Um, so it should be fun. You know, we'll have trivia. We'll have questions. We'll have chat. You can come answer, you know, ask DFS questions, ask general NASCAR questions. It'll be fun. 
Uh, we'll do that a few times throughout the year. Um, not sure other races just yet. Might. <clears throat> might have a Memorial Day, uh, Sunday of Memorial Day weekend show planned because we got great day of racing plus Larson trying to do the double. Um, <laughs> I don't. I still don't know how he's going to pull that off. That flight is more important, by the way, than the Taylor Swift one from Tokyo. To <laughs> the flight from, from Indy to Charlotte following the Indy 500 is more important. Um, so that covers that. So yeah, betting piece will be up on FA, um, tomorrow. I'll be on joining Howard's show on Sirius XM on Friday, uh, evening, Friday afternoon as well. So we've got you covered and we're here, man. We're, we are locked in for the next, what, 38 weeks. Yeah. All the way Looking, forward, looking forward to the Olympic break. It's true. We get a yeah. little bit of an Olympic break, <clears throat> and then it keeps going all the way to my birthday. Yeah, basically. All the way well, to- Matt, uh, happy birthday in November to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hey, thank you so much. Championship was my birthday, so it's a <laughs> yeah, good time. But uh, you know, what? we'll be in Discord all weekend uh, for all three races. So, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation as we kick off the season. Best of luck, FA Nation.